Welcome to the Ninja Turtle Power Hour. I'm Spencer Toon. And I'm Mike Templeton. Wow, that uh, that never that never feels right. The cadence is always off. Yeah, it's it's not as fun when there's when there's just two people. Yeah. But hey, right. at least we love each other, right? Yes. But also I'm so glad you didn't hesitate. <laughs> uh yeah, go ahead. Sorry. But I do want to say that we're not sad that I mean, granted, yes, we miss Keith, but we're also very, very happy for him because he isn't here because he's now a father. And yep. so big old daddy O Keith. Uh him and his lovely wife have welcomed a beautiful little girl into the world. Um, so Keith is taking the week off to go learn how to be a dad real quick. <laughs> uh, but uh we wish the two of them the best, or the three of them the best. Um, and uh, Keith will be back next week, so it's just the Spencer and Mike show tonight. And congratulations, Keith! Yeah, congratulations, buddy. Uh, we are just over the moon for you, so yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, Spencer, what are we talking about tonight? Tonight, we're gonna be talking about episodes 16 and 17 of the 1987 cartoon that's Be Up and Rock Steady Conquer the Universe and Raphael meets his match There's only two episodes tonight because you know there's only two of us <laughs> yeah so we'll 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 get through 87 eventually i mean with these episodes i think that we're now halfway through the season or at least pretty close we are we are close to halfway through the season uh we got through the 13 syndication episodes and now we're fully into the Saturday morning episodes. So we're, we're, we're trucking along. Yeah. Well, cause there's, I mean, there's how many episodes in this season? There's 39. So we will be there with episode 19 ish. So we're, we're really close. Yeah. We're, we're, we're getting there. We're getting there. Uh, but you know, honestly, looking at these two, not bad episodes. No, you know, we have we have the return of Zach and the introduction of Mona Lisa. I was gonna get to that. That is yeah, yeah. which is which is which is crazy because like when we were picking our episode the episodes a couple weeks ago, um I picked Bebop and Rocksteady, you know, Conquer the Universe, because that sounds like a good title, but then also totally forgot that Raphael Meets Match is Venus's introduction episode. So you mean Mona Lisa's? Who did I say? You said uh, Venus's. Oh, I said Venus because I'm thinking the comics. I just read the the free comic book day issue. Um, but yeah, um, <laughs> l- let me tell you a story. Perhaps I can best explain. The story of my young friends and I is really the story of a man named Hamato Yoshi. So Bebop and Rocksteady conquer the universe. Episode 16 of Season 4, original air date of September 22nd, 1990, written by David Wise. Donatello is tinkering with the malfunctioning turtle comms, which only seem to be picking up radio programs for insane people. During a conversation with the other turtles, the subject of Zack comes up, and Michelangelo becomes concerned about his well-being. We cut to Zack, who's having some problems with some bullies. As he goes home, he sees Rocksteady and Bebop emerge from a dimensional portal, and Shredder orders them to fetch to fetch a new device called the Anxiotron Ray. 
Bebop tests the device on Dr. Lestrange, the doctor who invented it, reducing him to a quivering, fearful mess. The two mutants begin using the ray on anyone they please, and when Shredder insults them, they fire it back into the portal and make Krang and Shredder terrified of everything. Zack spots them and tries to contact the turtles, but his turtle comm is not working. After Donatello finally fixes the turtle comms, Zack informs them that Bebop and Rocksteady are going to take over City Hall. The turtles arrive to find all of the humans inside petrified, but just before Bebop and Rocksteady, they fire the Xyatron at them. Terrified, the turtles flee from the two mutants into the sewers and hide as they reach home. Meanwhile, April is sent to cover the filming of the new Gorgonzola movie, which features a 100-foot-tall robot dinosaur creature. While Rocksteady and Bebop are lording over City Hall, they spot Gorgonzola and decide to use the Anxiatron on him. Splinter attempts to use hypnosis to remove the turtle's crippling fear, but with no results, he decides that he'll have to go get the ray himself with Zack's help. Meanwhile, Shredder and Krang have summoned enough courage to use the computer in the Technodrome in hopes that they can find an antidote to the ray's effects. Bebop and Rocksteady attempt to terrify Gorgonzola, only to discover that it's actually a robot, so the ray doesn't work. After frightening the entire crew, they begin amusing themselves with the giant robot and cause it to swallow April. She contacts the turtles, who are still hiding under the bed, and tells them of her plight. Though still terrified, they finally force themselves to creep out from under the bed to help her out. In the Technodrome, Shredder and Krang finally find a way to reverse the Anxiatron's effects and are restored to their normal selves. Splinter attempts to steal the Anxiatron, but ends up captured by the two mutants instead. They immediately tie him to some train tracks and send a train hurtling toward him, only to find that the Anxiatron has been stolen by Zack. Michelangelo manages to rescue Zack from falling, and the boy reverses the Anxiatron effect on all the turtles. In the middle of the fight between the mutants and the Shredder emerges from a portal, scolding them for trying to take over the world without his permission, and drags the two of uh, them back to Dimension X. Donatello is left on the train in order to rescue Splinter, while Leonardo, Raph, and Michelangelo head off to save April. The Gorgonzola robot is running amok through the streets, but the interior is too dense with wires and pipes for the turtles to sneak their way in. Zack makes a note that he's the smallest, so he can get through. So Leonardo lends one of his katanas to Zack and sends him inside. Donatello isn't able to stop the train in time, but he redirects it onto another line so that it won't hit Splinter. He then calls the turtles to have them lead the Gorgonzola robot over onto the train tracks and leaps from the train just before the, it plows into the road destroying both. Zack and April fall out of the robot just in time and then he receives kudos from everybody. In April's final, final news report of the evening, she thanks Zack and credits him with all of, with saving the entire city and the turtles also congratulate him once they all come back to the lair. Raph expresses his relief that they're no longer afraid of anything right before a rat crawls over his foot and terrifies the end wow such a riveting storytelling it, it's not bad no it's not bad like i i have my complaints but you know we'll save those for later all right so my story is Raphael meets his match original air date is september 20th of 1990 which is still just kind of crazy to me that we're still in 1990 with how far we are in time in the comics there's definitely a lot less comics than there were episodes of this tv show <laughs> um 
this story was written by Charles M. Howell the fourth. So this turtle starts with this turtles. This story starts with the turtles getting tiny pizzas or walking out with tiny pizzas from McDonald Crump's pizza place. And each pizza comes with a scratch card. Each turtle from their scratch card wins another pizza, except for Raphael. He wins a ticket to attend McDonald's costume party aboard his yacht. So Raphael decides he's going to go with his costume being himself. While waiting in line to get on the yacht, a lizard girl runs up to him and pretends like she knows him and that they are on a date until they get past security and then she runs off. Raphael wants to find out who this girl that just used him was. And so he sets out on a search for her around the boat. Eventually, he finds her in the cabin of the ship. She is tied up, the first mate and the captain. He tries to stop her from doing whatever it is she's doing, but she has some skills and is able to kind of fight back. She tells him there's no time to explain while they fight. Raphael won't hear it. And so they continue to fight until a submarine emerges that launches some sort of like force field tractor beam around the ship. Captain Filch, a high-tech pirate, emerges from this submarine and takes over the ship with the help of his sea anemone-like giant monster creatures. Raphael soon realizes that Mona Lisa is telling the truth and that she's one of the good guys, and he lets her know that uh, he's actually one of the Ninja Turtles. Then they hide and regroup with April, who is there to just cover the party for the news, before Mona recounts her origin story. She was a student who was abducted by Captain Filch and played along like she was on his side after he abducted her. One night, she tried to sabotage his lab, and in a freak accident with the nuclear reactor, she was turned into the mutant lizard girl we see now. Or actually, I guess I should actually say salamander girl. Anyway, they now come up with a plan to defeat Filch. April is going to sneak down to the radio to contact the turtles, since Raph's phone is waterlogged. Raph will run a distraction, and Mona Lisa will sneak aboard the submarine and shut off the tractor beam. Raphael storms on the deck and is immediately captured by Filch's sea creatures. Shortly afterward, April is captured before she can get that broadcast out to the turtles. However, Filch now has her make a broadcast for the television uh, that the whole ship is being held for ransom. The other turtles see it on TV and leave to help. Luckily, Mona Lisa succeeds with her part of the plan and gets the ship free of the tractor beam. She shows up on the ship with the other, and the other turtles show up too. They defeat Filch and his minions. Then Mona goes back to the sub to destroy it. She sabotages it, and it explodes. The turtles leave without even looking for her, but Raph stares out over the bow of the ship and hopes that she's all right. When they get back to the lair, April and Mona are waiting for them with pizza. The end. Not a bad episode. If uh, I do say so myself. Yeah. I, I can't ever tell if I like I decide that because of just because it's different or if like it genuinely is just like that much better than a normal ep- than the other episodes. Not sure. But mm. a breath of fresh air for sure. I think it's I think this one's uh well let's get into the second time around. Yeah. Hey, uh, nice junk. So for episode 16, 
I couldn't really find any fun facts about it. I mean, I feel like this is the first time we maybe had like Bebop and Rocksteady rebel against Shredder and Krang successfully. I, I feel like they've done that before. Um, but I, I can't think of it. But I, but it feels like it's something that they've done before. So Gorgonzola, an obvious reference to Godzilla. Um, right down to almost like they didn't do the iconic like Godzilla scream, but they did like this. They did this like weird version of it, but it's enough that you like you get the reference. Yeah. No, I mean, it, definitely a giant T-Rex creature that's supposed to be able to breathe fire. Like, you know, it's Godzilla. Yeah, like rampaging through a city, you know it's Godzilla. Yeah. Well, and they, they didn't they have a like a reference to them in the last episodes we watched too. I mean, I think like Godzilla is like one of those universal. Oh, for sure, know, for sure. Like references. I was watching um, uh, Jurassic Park: The Lost World because uh, I'm going through all the Jurassic Park movies in the lead up to the new one. Oh yeah. And, uh, I forgot like when the T-Rex is stomping through San Diego that there's a Godzilla reference in that. Oh, I actually haven't seen all of Lost World. They've only seen bits and pieces when it's been on TV. You're not missing much. It's definitely the weaker of the three, in my opinion, Okay. Um, of the, of the three originals. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know Jurassic Park, three gets its hate and deservedly so it is not a good movie um but i think it's charming in its own way that it definitely holds up in a way that lost world doesn't yeah i i don't know i don't really remember number three very well but i do remember watching it quite a few times as a kid and really liking number three when i was little but yeah like my little sister like loves Jurassic park three um and because like it is it is the young like for younger kids of the three movies mm -hmm. i think but i mean like i i was a kid when the first Jurassic park movie came out so like i've always been into that franchise yeah you don't even have to just be a dinosaur kid like i, I was like into Jurassic park yeah no i mean I, I don't know if i was ever like a full-on dinosaur kid but i i don't know there's a I, i've always liked dinosaurs i feel like you can't just mm. not like dinosaurs no, I mean you definitely you definitely can't like dinosaurs is like it's like universal like you hit <laughs> that's a pun. Um but like yeah, like dinosaurs are like universal. Like if you're a kid, you have to like dinosaurs. Yeah. No, like I mean I, I'm an adult and I like dinosaurs. I mean I'm I'm kind of an adult, you know, pretty much a kid still, but all right, putting you on a spot, what's your favorite dinosaur? Oh, probably either. I don't know. I love Velociraptors, but also Spinosauruses are pretty cool. All right. Same with those ones with the giant, uh, like, I can't even remember what their names are, but they've got like the giant, like, club for their tail. Ah, uh, there you go. Perfect. That is my favorite dinosaur. Oh, yeah. The Ankylosaurus. Yes. Ankylosaurus are definitely my favorite dinosaur, and I'm always excited to see them represented in media. Um, my wife always likes to make fun of me whenever they die. Have you watched, have you seen Dinosaur, like Disney's Dinosaur? Not in years. All right. Well, it's got one in there. He's adorable. He's like, like a little dog. You know, everyone else talks English and isn't, and speaks English and is intelligent, but he's like a little dog. That's freaking cute. <laughs> there is, um, uh, there's the Jurassic Park, like 
cartoon show on Netflix called Camp Cretaceous. Uh-huh. Um, and one of the main dinosaurs on that is a little ankylosaur named Bumpy. That's cute. That is cute. But yeah, Spinosauruses are cool because they're like a T-Rex, but with a giant spine. So what's not to love? Yeah. And Velociraptors, I thought were really cool as a kid when I'd watched Dinosaur and they'd like attack Aladar. And... I actually have. Uh, so they've been making like uh, six inch scale Velociraptors mm-hmm. um, for the Jurassic Park, like Amber Collection line. Oh. And I have every one of those Velociraptors. That is because I was like, cool. I was like, these are really cool. And like, they're all the same exact sculpt except one of them um but i was like they're all the different colors and like you have the four from the jurassic world movie blue echo delta and charlie and then they started and then they did like the original velociraptor from the first movie then they did like the tiger stripe one from the lost world Mm -hmm. um and i was like i have to get all these uh definitely i like i like my girls i like my velociraptor girls they're really cool how'd we get on dinosaurs uh we were talking about something <laughs> i don't remember i don't know uh, okay but back back to the reason that we're here turtles um yeah like it's it's always good to see zach again um i i thought it was funny that they kind of like didn't it feels like they've given Zach like the title of honorary turtle a lot. And they like, and, and Zach makes sure to say that multiple times in this episode. Um, but I thought it was funny at the end, like Splinter, the way Splinter says like you've earned our honor kind of, it kind of seems like that's the first time that he did. And it's like none of the other times that Zach has helped the turtles, he earned their honor. It's just like, like the other times it didn't count. This time you like actually did something. Yeah, like this time you actually did something for us, Zach. <laughs> we just said that uh, before to just like, you know, make you feel better about yourself. Just your to make you feel better. Like make you seem cool in front of your girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. I could have lived without seeing Zach again, but you know, here he is again. Oh, no, I mean, uh, the kid's the fifth turtle. We need more of him. The original fifth yeah. turtle. I mean, this Jenica crap. I mean, you, you told me before this episode started, this is Mona Lisa's only appearance in this series. Okay, so so going... So, okay, we're jumping in. Raphael meets his Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, that's fine. Um, so, yeah, this is the first and only appearance of Mona Lisa. Like, an iconic character of the 87 series. Like, she only gets this one episode. Hokum Hare has more episodes than Mona Lisa does. Yeah, like, her, her backstory is, like, you know, it's... I mean, like it's detailed radiation doesn't make sense it's dumb but at the same time she like actually has like a decent backstory that makes her kind of an interesting character she actually is kind of like kind of fun i'm surprised this is her only appearance that like no one yeah. ever wanted to use her again. i gen yeah i genuinely liked her i don't think i'd ever seen this like i've known of mona lisa yeah i don't think i've ever i'd ever seen this episode before watching this i i, I can't remember having watched it like it is um, amazing that they shoehorned Zach into so many more episodes than her. <laughs> I, I guess. Um, so, looking into it, so Mona Lisa apparently was original. I can't find a source, but apparently it was implied that Mona Lisa would have returned sometime after season eight. Huh. Uh, so during like 
but then they shifted to the Red Sky seasons. Oh. And then that's why, and then, then and they got Carter and Lord Drake instead. Okay. So what could have been, but it's like four seasons for Mona Lisa to show up again later. Like, I don't know. Like it, it feels really weird that they didn't capitalize on her some more. Yeah. Um, so looking i really think uh, it would have been like a fan favorite especially with like girls that liked watching the show i mean no yeah like people know like mona lisa is a famous famous enough character that she's come back multiple times like she came back i I mean a different version of her came back in 2012 when she was the alien bounty hunter and she's an idw as well and and she's an idw she's she's in mutant town with almost the same backstory she's a college student who was mutated and uh you know it's 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 like Mona Lisa keeps coming back, mm-hmm. um, because she's such an evergreen character. So it's it's really weird that her first appearance is only the one time. Uh, so looking into it a little bit more, Peter actually addressed this in yeah. Volume Four, Issue Eighteen, uh, so where somebody wrote wrote in asking about her. Uh, apparently, she was supposed to be the first girl turtle. Yeah. So uh, Peter said the character of Mona Lisa was created for the old show by someone working for Fred Wolf. What many people do not know was that she was originally supposed to be a female mutant turtle, but Kevin and I had to put our foot down. This was back when we both agreed that a female turtle was lame, stupid, creatively bankrupt idea, and they changed her to some kind of lizard. Yeah, well, because I mean, if you think about it, like, because the next episode we're going to watch also has Slash in it. So it's like here we are like evil turtle boy turtle like you know like a kid that's like honorary turtle like i feel like mona would definitely at this point have been like crossing a line with like okay how many turtles like official or unofficial are you gonna make at this point i mean like if i don't think they would have made her like turtle with a capital t yeah but it's um but yeah like I, I'm kind of on board, especially like this early in the turtle era. We didn't need a girl turtle, mm-hmm. um, especially because like we already know like mutants exist, like, you know, different creatures can become mutants. Mm-hmm. So like I think making her a salamander is is an interesting design. Yeah, no, definitely. Like, well, yeah, because it is an interesting design. She actually does look unique and she does stand out because she's not just another turtle. It's a girl. Yeah. And she uh, apparently like they kind they kind of like last minute changed a lot of her design according to according to how it's implied how she was changed like that's why she still has turtle feet. Oh yeah. So I don't know how super accurate that is. We can only go off of what Peter said uh, in the letters column, but uh, she also came back in one of the Japanese mangas for uh, turtles. Hmm. In Mutant Turtles Kanzen Daizukan and Mutant Turtles Quiz Oyaka. Totally butchered those. <laughs> You're good. I couldn't have said it any better. But I mean, yeah. sometimes you just got to jump in. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, and then her voice actress is uh, Pat Music, mm-hmm. who uh, is may whitman's mom who played april in or who played april in the 2012 cartoon okay huh so this is this is her first and only credit for ninja turtles so her mom not may whitman yeah huh that is interesting but 
Yeah, I really wish that they would have used Mona more in this show because I feel like she's actually an interesting character and they could have done more with her because she has a fun personality. Yeah, like she's she's the first like real like she's fun. Like I'll get I'll get into this in in the se- in the appropriate section, but like she's a lot of fun. Yeah. Another thing I want to I guess want to put out there another reference that Raphael makes is he calls Mona Lisa Matahari. Uh Matahari is an actual historical figure, but like she got made a lot of movies and stuff were made about her where she's pretty much like the original femme fatale trope. And she's, you know, a secret spy for the opposing force in a war and is, you know, secretly trying to, uh, well, yeah, she, she's a spy, essentially. Femme fatale yeah. character, mysterious lady that they don't know anything about. And so that's what Raphael calls her when he believes yeah, he's yeah. looking for Filch. So, yeah, if you want to learn more about Matahari, great other podcast I uh, listened to uh, by Frank Turner about his, So it's one of my favorite artists, but he has this whole album that's about women in history that should be recognized in one way or another for one reason or another. Uh, not all of them for positive reasons, but then he came out with a companion podcast that is about each of these women. And so he has Eye of the Day, a uh, song about Matahari, because that's what Matahari means. Uh, that he has a whole episode about her. So I actually just hmm. find the character super interesting. So the second I heard him, heard him call her Matahari, I was like, oh, <laughs> I know who that is now. That's one of those like terms that like I've heard for years, but I guess I just never really put that together. Yeah, she was in, there was a whole ton of old black and white movies. Uh, made yeah, no. Where she's always the spy. But it's because she was an actual historical figure that probably wasn't actually a spy, but was just blamed on had a whole entire loss in a war blamed on her because they could. Oh yeah. Actually, you know what? Uh, I think weird history. Uh, one of my favorite YouTube channels did like a piece on her and just like the absolute like disaster that her life had become. And it's like, they, she had like exotic looks, but she's like, she's pretty much like a white lady. Yeah. Everybody thought was Indian. Yeah, well, because she moved down there briefly and learned like some of their dancing and stuff like that. And she kind yeah. of became an exotic dancer uh, in France. But like full on white lady. <laughs> yeah, but full on white lady. Yeah. But she kind of had her, she kind of gained notoriety and things like that uh, with it and was able to. Yeah, I remember this. Kind of carve a little spot of her own uh, in their culture until because of her, I guess, sketchy and shady past, they decided to say that maybe she was a spy and. And then accused her of, of doing so and executed her. Oh, yeah. I remember the firing squad. Yep. Never mind. I remember all this. All right. Let's talk about the things that we didn't like. No anchovies. You put anchovies on this thing and you're in big trouble, okay? I can't let you know. All right. So, so uh, Bebop and Rock City even need to make a ray for most people to be afraid of them. I like, think for, this for is like. Twitter and Krang and the Turtles, sure. But like. Most people, I feel like, would immediately turn and run from the mutant warthog and rhinoceros. This is like the third ray that makes people scared. Wow, is it? I've already forgotten about all the other ones. Like, we've already gotten one. There was like the, I I forget what it was. There was was that one, and then there's another one coming up in uh, Hokum Hare. 
Oh, okay. it turns everyone into like timid rabbit people. Mm, okay. I still haven't seen the Hook of Hair episode, so. Oh, uh, we're getting there. We're getting closer, but it, I don't know, like, <laughs> I was kind of, I was kind of like the Anxiatron. That's a little, that's a little on the nose. <laughs> I mean, when you got to name something, you got to name it something that at least is similar to what it does, right? Yeah. Let's people know. But yeah, no, it's, I guess it is pretty overused in this show. And this episode is just kind of, to me, just felt really boring and just kind of even more childish and like talk down to you than normal. Like it's a cartoon. It's, it is childish. It is for kids. Don't get me wrong. So like, it's not that valid of a complaint, but at the same time for me as an adult viewer, it just felt extra like it was talking down to, to me. I don't know. Like it just really wasn't, it didn't really. I mean, part of that, part of that is because this is a Zach episode. So like, because That's it's a Zach episode, it has to be for kid, like for younger kids. Because remember, we were stupid back then. So <laughs> like we needed our cartoons to talk down to us. Yeah. Well, I mean, even I'd say even a lot of a lot of modern cartoons, you know, kind of do that as well. Still, it's not not out there, but just for me watching it, it just felt more like that than normal. And so than, than a normal episode of the series. And so I just kind of got like I just got really bored of it really fast. I was kind of like, okay, let's let's move on with the whole everyone being scared thing. Yeah. The scared gag is is getting old. I, I did have to because I I I watched these um I watched the episodes like usually the day we record, so they're fresh in my mind. Uh-huh. Um, and so I'm, I'm watching this at work today and I had to stop because I was just like, I've seen this before. And I'm like, uh, and like, I just got bored. I think I, was, I think I was like 10 minutes in. Uh-huh. Um, so it was like after Krang and Shredder had already gotten uh, Anxiatron. Um but and I'll get into this uh, in the next segment. Um, it just it just took too, took too long for this episode to kind of have fun because mm-hmm. the first half of it is boring and routine, but like the back half of it is actually really good. Yeah, yeah, I think I, I think I yeah I can see where you're going with that. So. Uh, but I mean, other than that, I really don't have much else to say. There's a lot of, there's a couple, um, a couple just animation errors. Like it was funny. Like there's a, a city bank that, that they're going to, um, uh-huh. and the sign on the bank is, is misspelled C T I Y. Um, Leonardo, like at the end, when he gives Zach his sword, um, to go inside of Gorgonzola and free April. A free ape. when Leon at the end when Leonardo gives his sword to Zach so he can go inside a Gorgonzola to free April. Uh-huh. Um, so he gives Zach one of his swords, but then like for the rest of the episode has two swords. It's just his secret third sword. He keeps. It's a secret third sword, yeah. <laughs> um, and then like it there was just it was just like a weird funny error. I don't know if it was an error or what, but like Rock, Rocksteady and Bebop like they blow up a news van at one point, uh-huh. but they didn't have any weapons to do it. Like yeah. they were only carrying like the Anxiatron. 
I mean, maybe maybe April left it running and they just like shoved a potato in the tailpipe or something. That'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> but it's funny because late like later they pull out two guns when like when they realize that um when they when they realize that uh Zach stole the um the anxietron from them, they pull out their their normal blasters like out of thin air. Uh-huh. So I was like, I was yeah. Yeah, so overall it wasn't really my favorite episode. It was it's kind of just Yeah, I mean it's not it's not a bad episode, it's just a very middle of the road episode. Yeah. So for episode 17, uh I don't know, like the whole like Mona's Mona's backstory kind of seems like a, a fever dream. Like I like that she kind of has like a backstory, but also it's just like he shows up kidnaps one person out of all of the you know out of all these college students and then kidnaps her for her to just like i guess be his minion and she kind of just like goes along with it i guess yeah and then tries to sabotage everything and then the radiation from the reactor turns her into a salamander person (laughs) you know like at least there's like rules with like the mutagen that they kind of give in this one where it's like uh you know you mutate the last thing you touch there's like no reason for her to just become a salamander. She just does. Yeah, it's <laughs> it it it's really like it doesn't make like we've said it before. Like the rules of mutation in the show do not like there are no rules. Like yeah. if they need a mutant, they get a mutant. So it, it's it's kind of disappointing that she just mutates in this way. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just I was just more confused about like this whole weird like pirate thing who uses like a laser force field to capture ships and then he's got like sea anemone mutants like on top of like a salamander like the sea anemones make sense because you're in the ocean but like salamanders don't live in the ocean yeah yeah which i think is another holdover from when she was supposed to be a turtle that's fair that might be what they were looking for then so um but again like we don't have any confirmation on that um but yeah like i think you kind of lose like the specialness of of mona when you have to tie it to this weird pirate backstory Mm -hmm. yeah the backstory was just kind of it just felt really out of left field even if she was a turtle just the random like i kidnapped a college student she tries to sabotage the thing like no i feel like no matter what the backstory whether she's a turtle or a salamander it's just weird that she just mutates into a salamander or a turtle from from doing what she did but anyway like it's it's weird no matter what yeah yeah like i said it feels kind of like a like just like a fever dream of a of a backstory uh my, my other thing is is like after she blows up the submarine like all that really happens is Raphael's just like you know oh she it's good she's a fast swimmer, I'm pretty sure she made it I hope yeah and they just like get on their blimp and leave you know like they don't bother to like <laughs> to search for her make sure she's okay you know uh, they just start just like well I sure hope she's all right leave like <laughs> I I don't know I feel like there should have been maybe something a little bit more dramatic there where they're trying to find her or something. yeah like it it's such it's such a disappointing ending like because because you again you've got like this first like girl mutant that they're really interacting with Mm -hmm. 
you know, and she's clearly like got it for Raph. Like this started shipping wars, you know. So did Ninjara exist at this point? Is this? Uh, I she didn't. She didn't. I don't think. No, Ninjara didn't. I think Ninjara is a couple years later. Uh huh. But I mean, but still, like you have like no Mona Lisa was the original girl for Raph. It's like no Ninjara. Uh huh. Um, oh, yeah, this is definitely where where shipping wars began for Ninja Turtles. Definitely. Yeah, and so you and and so like it, it it's a huge disappointment. Like this is her only episode, which I mean she kind of gets redeemed. Like I said in in twenty twelve, like she's a much better character there, um, and like she flirts again with Raph, which you know it, it's fine. Like it's nice that they continued that, you know, in some way. Yeah. And then, like the IDW version of Mona Lisa, like is a Donatello thing. Yeah, until yeah. it isn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's people that uh, I, I've seen that, or there's people that that were pretty upset about Mona Lisa being with with uh, Donatello instead of Raphael in the IDW series. But you know, Raphael already has Alopex in that one, so yeah. I, guess I mean, that... and, and and I mean, I like. It makes sense because, like, you know, she's a college student, you know, and she, you know, wants the smart, nerdy guy. Yeah. Well, with, and with the metal shell. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is like, guys, at the end of the day, like, who really cares who they're in a relationship with? All right. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> but we all know that Raphael should be in a relationship with Alopex. All right. She's, she's the one. She's I mean, absolutely. She's, she is the one for Raph. Like, I love Alopex and, and Raph. Me too. Like, I'm just saying, you know. <laughs> Reminds me a lot of my wife and me. She's Raph and I'm Alex. Oh. <laughs> anyway, uh, I think that's it. Um, I don't really have anything else other than like I don't really care for the, you know, Captain Filch. Um, because eh. yeah, I I think that I liked that angle just because it wasn't Shredder and Krang, and so I think that just like immediately made me like it more uh that's just the way everything goes for me apparently in this series <laughs> well i mean let's start talking about other things that we liked but i do want to say one last thing it is interesting that april just immediately also takes mona lisa to their lair and they're just there with pizza already like i, I know that she proved she was a good guy but it just feels like they're just letting anyone to the ninja turtle lair <laughs> <laughs> all right it was a weird it was an extra weird twist to the ending where they don't it was an extra weird twist but i mean again again, like what are the rules of the ninja turtles in this universe yeah well they take mona lisa to the lair but like they never see her again i guess yeah she doesn't come back anyway she saw how they lived and they're like (laughs) and just couldn't ever could never go back and noped out of that one yep okay we can now talk about what we liked oh all right. Oh, I love being a turtle. So the anim- this is this is kind of for both episodes, but the animation in both of these episodes is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely some of the stronger that we've seen this season. Um, I thought, yeah, it, it, these these weren't bad episodes to look at. Like there weren't a whole lot of animation errors, other than like what I mentioned with the city sign, and there's you know. Uh, Raph, uh, or there's a scene where like it's supposed to be Leonardo, but then it's Donatello. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I mean, but the, yeah, that's par for course. There yeah. really isn't much. Yeah. So these are these episodes are, are good to look at. Um, there is some funny bits in this one where uh, I did like Krang getting uh, afraid. Um, there was just some fun line readings from Pat Fraley um, and uh, James Avery, you know, shredded like the two of them, like hiding behind the con the computer console. Um, that was great. Yeah. Or just when they're standing there and you've got, you know, Crank telling him like, Oh, just go, you know, stand in the laser. That's going to cure them. You know, nothing yeah. will go wrong. It's totally fine. And Shredder's just like, no, you go. And then immediately Krang is afraid again. And he's just like, uh, no, you. And then Shredder's just like, no, you. <laughs> yeah. Like it's like, there's, there's good bits in there. Yeah. Um, that I really liked. So, yeah. uh, that's one bit. Um, but that's kind of it. Yeah. Again, me, again, this is just a kind of a very routine episode. Yeah. For me, another thing that just like made me laugh was like when when Leonardo hands like Zach his sword. There's just like such like a blank stare in Zach's eyes <laughs> as he's smiling. That's right. Handsome his sword. That's right. I forgot. So <laughs> when he hands him the sword, um, and then like the in my head, I'm like, you just gave this child a like, yeah. this child a bladed weapon. <laughs> And they're like, get in there and go save April. <laughs> oh, and you know what? Like, April's got a couple good bits too in here where she's like, she like gets mad at the turtles for like not rescuing her first. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, cause they have to go save uh, Splinter first because he got thrown on the train tracks, which he got thrown on the train tracks. He didn't get tied to the train tracks. Yeah. Yeah. They probably could have just picked him up and moved he him. Pro- he could have just stood up. His legs weren't bound. He's a ninja, you know. Hopefully, he should be able to just like you know, you know, plop himself up onto his feet. I, I, I just, know. I just thought it was funny. He's like, he he's not he's not tied to the train tracks. They just Bebop and Rocksteady just plopped him on there and then went to go find the first train and then like and then like Splinter gives up all, you know, he just gives up and he's like, go save yourself, Zach. Don't worry about me. And it's like Splinter just get up and walk away. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, but um, April's got, yeah, April's got like a couple good lines. Like when she like when Zach goes in, he's like, "I'm the fifth turtle," and she's like, "You don't look the part." Yeah, <laughs> you don't. You don't seem like actually one of the turtles. I wonder. Yeah. You know, I wonder how much they end up hearing about it from her after this. The fact that they like sent the child in to go get her and <laughs> yeah, exactly left it alone. He's swinging a sword around in front of her, chopping stuff. Just and like, just I like what with, doing yeah we just with like reckless abandon too which is like yeah. so funny and then also like the turtles are too big to go in there to save april uh-huh but april's taller than the turtles and she gets out april's out of the whole everyone in this cartoon she's like the yeah. biggest character in this whole show <laughs> like april april is as tall as shredder yeah and so it's like <laughs> she shouldn't have been able to fit out the same hole that Zach did. Yeah. No, that's a good point. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> uh but yeah, it's 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 a fun episode. It's not, it's definitely not the worst episode we've seen. It's just kind of a it, it it's not as good as Mona as Raph meets his match in Mona Lisa. Because mm-hmm. like I said, like Mona Lisa is a ton of fun. Yeah, like she actually has some like kind of witty one-liners. You know, it's fun to see her like crush on Splinter. I just feel like we got more expression 
and like I even like more emotion, I guess, out of a character than any other character in this series, honestly. Like she really is kind of a shining character, which is why I was so surprised that she doesn't show up in any future episodes because yeah, like she's genuinely a lot of fun to watch, like interact with everybody. Yeah, she's she's having fun. Um, she's genuinely interested in it, and it's really a bummer that she does not come back. Yeah. Like, like she's just interesting. You enjoy seeing her on there. I honestly feel like she has like in this episode more of a personality than like most of the characters in the show. Oh yeah. <laughs> in just a single episode. Like she's a much better character than but most of the characters have been after all these episodes. I so. mean, this may be blasphemy for me, but like I liked her more than Vernon in this episode. Oh, oh 100%. <laughs> well, you don't like Vernon. I like Vernon. I, I, and I love being a turtle. I won't get it. Um, <laughs> we're in the we're being positive right now. Yeah. The other thing that I did just enjoy about this story is that it just felt super fresh. Like even even with its like weird kind of fever dream clunky ness about the villain and Mona Lisa's origin story. I, I know I say it every single time that Shredder and Krang aren't the villain, but it, this one like just felt really fresh. Like you met a new character that yes is a mutant and was mutated in a weird way but nonetheless it's not someone that shredder and crane mutated to try and be a villain to the turtles yeah she got mutated by something else in, a, in under different circumstance she has a different story it just feels like so fresh after yeah. so many episodes of kind of the same stuff that i paid a lot more attention to this episode than i normally do and actually enjoyed it you know well, it wasn't too bad so uh, these were actually supposed to be in uh, second time around, but I liked them, so I'm going to stick them here anyway. Um, the the um, so, so a couple episodes, like when we started talking about season four, we talked about, uh, or at least the Saturday episodes, the new theme song and the new end credits. Mm-hmm. Um, so then where the new end credits background, it used to be, they were standing in like the tunnel from that the Technodrome had bored through from like the original pilot season. And in this episode, it changed to them sliding down an elevator shaft. That is from Bebop and Rocksteady Conquer the Universe. Well, there you go. And then uh, in this one's a little bit more of a deep cut. Um, So Rob Paulson used to have a podcast called Talking Tunes, where he would talk to different voice actors in the industry. Um, great podcast, uh, heavily recommended. I, I don't know if it's still available. Um, it got bought by like Nerdist, and it, it it went weird for a while. So I don't know. If, I don't know if it's still available. Um, but his old intro for it used to have like different uh, voice clips from different characters that he did. And one of the voice clips, I think it was like the one that like ended the theme song. He's like, I got something to tell you. I am one of the Ninja Turtles. That clip is from Raphael meets his match. Hmm. When he, when Raph says that to, he says it to Mona Lisa. So like for years, like I've always heard, like, I got something to tell you. I am one of the Ninja Turtles. And so, you know, you hear that every week for the podcast and then like having the context like, oh, it's from this episode. Yeah. (laughs) So that was just neat for me. Yeah, something else that I that I also really liked uh, is that you actually see Michelangelo with his nunchucks again in this episode. He actually pulls them out, which might be the first time we've seen him do that in a long time. I can't remember if he's done it in the previous episodes, but he actually pulled out his chucks. 
Yeah. He, had him ready to go. I noticed it in, uh, in Beat Up and Rock City Conquer the Universe. Um, they, he uses the turtle line mm-hmm. to save Zach at the end, but he does have his chucks on his back. Yeah. So well, we're so we're still kind of in this wishy-washy era. Well, yeah, but look, I'm saying that in Mona Lisa, like he straight up pulls him out. Like they're not. No, 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 right, right, right. He pulls him out, has him in his hand. I don't. I can't remember if he swung him around or not. I just that's what, that's what I'm saying. Like we're in this wishy-washy era of like we're getting the turtle line in some episodes, and then it's switching over to uh, the other one. Yeah. Yes, it's you know for Europe, so they have episodes for Europe, and also I imagine that they could probably very easily edit out the part where not Mikey pulls out his chucks and yeah, probably just cut that, and they were fine. You know, just gave it to the people over in Europe and let them let them watch it. <laughs> yeah. But I always like seeing him actually pull those out because I don't know. To me, it's kind of a bummer that they that they got rid of him. Well, I mean, you only got to wait for a brand new iteration of the turtles for him to use them again. Man. How did that pick up on your mic? It did just very quietly. What? Do you want to keep that or do you want to do it again? Oh, we can do it again. Okay. What did we say? <laughs> I forgot what we said. I forgot what we said too. Don't worry about it. Okay. So I got, I got a new uh so the old problematic neighbor that I had uh got evicted. Oh. Um and then like a week or two later, um I got two new neighbors. They're they're really cool. Um I haven't told them that I record up against their TV wall. So uh, gotta have that conversation. I don't really have to have that conversation. It's not their business, but I can't hear anything. Oh, I thought you're talking about stuff picking up. I thought you're talking about your voice. I haven't heard anything from the TV. Oh yeah, no, there was there was their voice. He he had like sighed real quick, and that's what you heard. I don't hear their TV. I just don't oh. know how loud they get. Oh, okay. Because I was, I just wanted to let him know, like, hey, I do some recording sometimes. So you may hear me, and then hopefully that tells him, like, oh, okay. I'll yeah. have to be loud on these days. <laughs> okay, doke. Well, yeah, overall, these two episodes weren't bad. Yeah, uh, like, they, they're fun. Um, I, I liked the Mona Lisa episode a lot more than I thought I would. Yeah, me too. Like, I, I was genuinely surprised by this one. It's actually probably one of the better episodes and is one of the ones that sticks out more than most of the ones that we've watched this season for me. Yeah, definitely. So Charles M. Howell the fourth. Thank you. Thank you. I don't I feel like you just can't say like a name with like the fourth at the end without like just kind of going into a posh English accent. Well, I mean, yeah, it's it's like Thurston Howell from Gilligan's Island. Yeah. You have to say it like that. Charles M. Howell the fourth. The fourth. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, that is those two episodes. Um, well, I guess since Keith isn't here, let's go to the news. This is April O'Neil of Channel Six. <laughs> <clears throat> oh God, that hurt my throat. Ooh. Oh, that guitar riff. Uh, the money maker right there. Or, you know, we wish we made Moneymaker. <laughs> oh, man. Paramount pay us. Um, 
the <laughs> uh it's pretty light news week um there's not much on the front we still have uh a summer 2022 release uh window for shutter's revenge um no new action figures have uh come out there if you pre-ordered the third party uh party wagon turtle van um which is again totally unofficial um but looks really cool if you pre-ordered that those have been shipping um i did not get that one so uh, i'm having to live vicariously through everyone else uh, but it looks really cool um yeah that's all that's all the news i got spencer what do you got uh, so as far as comic book goes, we do have some updates on how Armageddon game is going to work. I don't, I don't know how much we've filled out really those details, but in Tom Walta's letter and the free comic book day issue that came out, uh, I hope you guys got it because it's it's a lot of fun. I really liked it. Uh, but then again, I always get a lot of nostalgia for the first issue of of Ninja Turtles because I feel like that's the comic book that like really, really got me into comics uh you know kind well, it's of it's funny because if you like it there's also the entire first issue in the back of that comic well it's, it's the same scene that they that they kind of recreated yeah. uh homage homage to but it's not the whole issue in the back of it but uh tom waltz has said in this uh in this letter that sophie and i will join forces to present a tmnt corresponding event like no other with sophie remaining on the ongoing while I act as scribe for the event maxi series. So we're still going to get the ongoing and we're going to get Armageddon game going on alongside it. And it sounds like since it's an event, they're probably going to be tying into one another kind of back and forth. We're going to have two books going on at once revolving around the same storyline. So if you're familiar with like how Marvel and DC do their books, you're going to have to buy multiple books to get the entire Armageddon game story. Mm -hmm. But uh if you pick up your books physically, any comic book store should be able to automatically do this for you. Just let them know, hey, give me all the turtles books that are coming out in the near future. And those will be right in your box. Yeah, this is all this is all speculation. But like there's a part of me that's kind of excited and hopes that like maybe Sophie's book will focus on the turtles while like Tom Waltz may in his Armageddon Games book take some of those side characters that we haven't seen a whole lot of during the Mutant Town. Yeah. run and his kind of revolves around you know like casey and angel and kind of the other ones in that in that area that we kind of haven't been able to see as much of lately casey angel the other one <laughs> star runner reference for all of you millennials um I it. yeah I didn't, I didn't get that reference oh god so old um but yeah uh so also a special announcement um uh, da, 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 da. if you missed out on that free comic book day issue uh because it was insanely popular uh i happen to nab an extra one thank you to my comic book shop comic cnt in tustin california uh so uh, since i have an extra one uh, we thought it would be kind of neat to do a little giveaway so all you have to do is join the official Ninja Turtle Power Hour Discord server uh, by May 31st. That'll be Tuesday, May 31st, uh, when we are all back to record. Um, and we will decide a winner then, and we will ship this to you. Um, 
U.S. continental U.S. only. Uh, unfortunately, I cannot ship that internationally. Um, but uh, so the lower 48, uh, if you join our Discord server, all you got to do is just be a member of the Discord server. I will put the link out there in uh, Twitter and uh, you can DM us for the link on Instagram. Or if you're listening to this on Facebook, then uh, we should have the link out there too. But yeah, uh, let us know and yeah, join the server because it's fun. There's a lot of people talking in there now. I think we're up to like 15 members. Yeah. No, so, it's, it gets fun in there. It gets bumping. Yeah. Like, you know, like there's a lot of good conversations in there. Like we have, you know, people are asking, you know, questions and, you know, we're talking about comics. We have an off topic channel so like you, you want to talk about different anime like i'm heavily addicted to spy family right now if you're not watching spy family please watch spy family um and yeah so yeah having fun over that ninja turtle power hour uh server so let me get my thank yous out of the way um thank you guys again for listening to the show um we really appreciate you every week um keith isn't here so i'm a little out of whack my routine um but if you guys like the show let us know somewhere on the internet ninja turtle power hour on facebook instagram and twitter um also like i said that discord server i'll throw the link out there again and then you can just dm us for the link and uh yeah we love you leave a five-star rating on wherever you're listening to this podcast to spotify apple podcasts or directly in the facebook app um and yeah that's it we love you yeah. Oh, yeah. Spencer, so, what are we doing next week? Next week, we'll be covering issues 9, 10, and 11 of the Image comic series, also known as Urban Legends, etc. Volume 3. So, Got all those names. So that's Untitled, Untitled, and Untitled. Wow. They really like that name. <laughs> so, they really do. They, they just keep rolling with it. They do. So thank you guys again so much for listening. And until next time, cowabunga dudes. Cowabunga. since it's just the two of us anyway. Okay. All right. No, no bit. <laughs> yeah, no, no bit. It's oh. just the two of us. Oh, but yeah, I guess the other thing I did want to add at that free comic book day issue is the like hmm. it's okay that all the turtles aren't using the normal weapons because these probably judging by their costumes and outfits and also their eagerness for a little more extreme violence than we've seen out of our normal turtles. I think that just maybe, maybe these aren't our turtles. They're other turtles. Yeah. Where the weapons you know, are different. We didn't, yeah, we didn't talk about this, but like Spencer and I have kind of been seeing this all week on on the uh, different turtles groups. Is like dudes have been like flipping out for some reason about like it. They're like, oh, like the turtles have different weapons. Like Raph is using the bow. Uh-huh. And Mikey has, I think he Mike, I think Mikey has the katanas. Yeah. Donatello has the size and Leo has the nunchuck. 
Uh, no, Leo has the size. Leo has the size, and uh, Donatello has the nunchucks. I think, and and it's like this is said on the first page, which all of this is spoilers. If if you guys haven't read the free comic publication, it's not a huge spoiler. Yeah, it's not like, but uh, but it's like dudes have been freaking out about it, and it's like guys, like read read the next three pages of this book before you start flipping out. Yeah. Cause like there was one guy like earlier uh, just today was like, I thought it was a printing error. And it's like, come on, man. It's intentional. <laughs> like this is it's, intentional. It's obviously intentional. Like they yeah. look, they don't, they're not the Mirage turtles. It's, it's an homage, but then also setting up this new weird story because like the splash page specifically says Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh was it say Campbell Campbell and Walt after Eastman and Laird mm-hmm. and well, so it's, it's like it's a very different take yeah well and and at the same time you know in the normal IDW series the turtles don't kill they they don't wear the all white bandanas like we've never seen them wearing that so the fact that they're all using different weapons and they all have white bandanas means that these aren't the normal turtles we're reading about in the book. These are probably different turtles where they're yeah, and from. they're not even they're not even like the Mirage turtles. Mm-mm. No, they're not those either. So it's like it's it's somewhere else in the turtle verse. And so it's like just read the next few pages to under to, just to understand that. Yeah. Well, and even after you read the next few pages, like it, it's not super clear on why, but you know, Venus definitely does ask, you know, what is what is going on here? Uh, you know, I believe I, her exact quote is, what the hell is going on here? Yes. So and then Rat King shows up. So it's like. Yeah, <laughs> it's this is obviously not Mirage. So it's like, stop treating it like it is. And this is a bigger problem in the Turtles fandom anyway. Like everybody compares. Everybody compares everything to each other like it's the same thing. Like you, you can't really like honestly compare like Rise to two thousand three. You can on the sense that they're both turtles franchise, like turtles versions, but mm. they're not trying to do the same thing. Yeah, like, two thousand three is not trying to be a comedy show, and you know Rise isn't trying to be you know dramatic like they are. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's entirely different. Yeah, and so I mean that is one of the things. Like a lot of it is just taste, you know, and like what you're tasting yeah. as far as different shows go. Uh, depends on you know what you're looking for in it. Um, yeah, exactly. Like, and so we need like as a fandom, we need to kind of like remember not all of these things are the like meant to be taken on the same level. Like, you know, enjoy things for what they are, not against the thing you used to like. Mm-hmm. that was a very clumsy thing to say but whatever <laughs> that's pretty fair man i'm looking at this at this issue again i i really did love it a lot like i i really like how sophie campbell has, is like putting like hard lines on her art to kind of make it resemble those original mirage issues i like her oh art. yeah like the art in this is I, great i'm a sucker for just like heavy dark lines so like i am i'm just eating it up <laughs> and, I'm, and i'm like I'm a hundred percent always on board with Sophie's art. Like she has gotten so much, I don't want to say better, 
but I love her current style for yeah. journals. Yeah, she well, she's like it. This is this is even in like the main book, but like this this version right here, like you were saying, like you were just saying, I think what you were gonna say was that it apes like the original Eastman and Laird style. Yeah. No, this one um, definitely way harder than some of her other art. Apes yeah. hard. And I think this is a perfect blend of kind of like her style and uh and the original Eastman and Laird. And especially because like like I mentioned earlier. It, you get the original scene that this is copying right after. Yeah. So it's like, ah, uh, like you, so you can really see and feel the, the, like the similarities. Like I remember the one, the, the page that got the, the panel that got me was uh, the one where it's like the four turtles. And it's like that really close up shot of like, it's usually Leo and like his foot's like in the foreground. Uh-huh. And for some reason, like I, that, that image is always in my head. And like her version of it was like, okay, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, and like I I also just love Sophie's colors. And like I, I think that some of her colors, like I it's one of the reasons I want to get like Rhonda Patterson on the show eventually, just to kind of like yeah. ask her how much input the artist has on the colors versus you know how much is her choice. Because there's always a specific way that Sophie's is colored that like I really love in these like especially like the panel where you got the epf guys like firing off their guns and it's got like just that hot pink like yeah across like it just looks so cool like such a great stylistic choice the the art in just these few pages i'm i am in love with um i i'm someone that like came in and when i first saw sophie's art like wasn't a fan it had very had thinner lines very like softer and like rounded edges it was very it was very uh, it was very. It's not the right term for it, but it's very like watercolory. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, and but that was mostly because, um, her when she first started, uh, like her scenes that she would draw were mostly like flashbacks or dream sequences. Well, yeah. Well, the other thing she would was do that the like the main arc where she took over is the Northampton one. So her softer yeah. art style kind of worked for that more introspective uh, thing there. And like, don't get me wrong, like it, it's good art and it, it does look good. However, it just doesn't set the tone that I like for turtles and doesn't like. I, I I'm an edgy edge lord boy. Like that's that's the way I am. I mean, you uh, do you love 2003. I know. I do. Yeah. Like I'm I'm just you know an edgy <laughs> edge lord boy. So. For me, like that art, while it is really good and does look really good, doesn't really speak to me the same way as like the jagged, heavy, dark lines that mm. you've seen her art style evolve into, especially as she's taken over yeah. uh, the book, like right post uh, post 100. I've really liked her art. Uh, I mean, I, and I've really liked her art even before, like her story arc for Karai uh, in the Turtles Universe comics really loved her work on that one mm. um so i it's definitely one of those things where i've you know her art has definitely grown on me as it's changed in its style and i i she's now definitely one of might even be my favorite artist on the book but oh yeah absolutely but these hard lines and like then just like the way they did the shading and everything and the colors it's it's just kind of like seeing and especially since I guess it's probably because it is retelling that first story as well in issue one and using, you know, in, in kind of aping it and kind of mimicking 
that art style. It just, yeah. it made me so excited. I, I love it. I just love looking at art. <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, and I love looking at her art. Like I just, I yeah. love, I, I, just, I love Sophie's art. Like she's such, <laughs> yeah, I was, I was talking to my wife about it. Like, I just, I love Sophie's art. And like, if I could just get prints of it, like I follow Sophie on, on Twitter too. And like, I, you know, I'll, I'll say things to her every now and then, like, we'll make a joke or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I just, I love whenever she tweets her art, like she was drawing all of the, um, Koopalings from the, from Super Mario Brothers. Mm-hmm. And it's like, those are some of my favorite characters and designs and video games ever. Like, I love the Koopaling. Like, Super Mario Brothers 3 is like, probably my all-time favorite video game like ever oh wow which is kind of cliche to say but it's like it's a very it's very influential video game on me like that was the first that was like the nes was my first console and super mario 3 was like one of my first video games for it so Mm -hmm. i have a lot of fond memories for it but then also like when i replay it i'm like there's something about the design and the just the general atmosphere of super mario brothers 3 that i like but mm-hmm. it entered it introduces the koopalings um and she did these redraws of the koopalings that i'm just absolutely obsessed with she hasn't finished it yet so sophie if you're listening please finish it i know <laughs> i told you on twitter to finish it but come on girl come on um but then also she she plays dungeons and dragons too and she just recently like uh tweeted a picture she drew of her dungeon party mm-hmm. um and that's great because I love Dungeons and Dragons too. So I'm like, I get, I just, I just love seeing her art and I would love to get a commission from her someday. Um, but yeah, anyway, Sophie, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, no, I, I like, I, yeah, I've become a fan with time. I, I remember when I first saw her art, I was like, really not a fan. Like, I, you know, I definitely couldn't call it bad art because it was still good art and was good looking art, but it just, it's style didn't speak to me. And for me, wasn't turtles, you know, at least what I'm looking for. It didn't set the tone that I necessarily like out of turtles. Um, but as it's gone on, as it's evolved, I think she's kind of heard maybe some of those complaints that people have had kind of about her art being really soft. And she's kind of put some edges and things on it that have made it really work. And I am a big fan of it. I, I really like what she's doing. I think, I think she also just kind of grew into it too. Yeah, no, there's probably that as well. But I mean, you and I aren't comic artists, so I don't even know if what I, I, we're saying is <laughs> is even technically correct. Yes, but, yes. I mean, when when I'm saying like you know, when I look at art, I'm just like, oh yeah, I like I like the way it looks. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I, try I like to, those. I like those pencils. I like real good pencils. Real good pencils. I, I try and I'm trying to like. I've definitely spent some time, and especially after listening to other people talk about comics, that I have a better idea and do more art. Mm-hmm. I'm able to kind of start like nailing down what it is that I like in art. And that's kind of what one of the things I've been trying to do is, yeah, I know for sure. I definitely love heavy, thick lines uh, and, and just texturing and like good, like, like the duo shading in those original Ninja Turtle comics. Like I like the, the texturing that Freddie Williams does on his art. I feel like that's part of what really sells his art for me. Mm-hmm. Uh Liam Sharp's art is my like he's like my other favorite artist. It's kind of like it's the fact that it looks like very 
it still like looks like cartoony and comic booky, but like the way it's colored and painted, it it's like done so like in a realistic, very like three D way. And then he also does a lot of the stuff where his colors kind of bleed across the page, and his more of his modern books that kind of gives it like a, a psychedelic feel that I really like. Mm. Anyway, if you ever get a chance to read Batman Reptilian, super fun book. I'll add it to the list. I got a, I got a lot I got to catch up on. <laughs> yeah, Batman Reptilian, it's like Garth Ennis writing it and Liam Sharp doing the art. And Garth Ennis has written it, so it's like, yeah, it's a black label book, but like, you know, I wouldn't necessarily call it like a mature story. Mm-hmm. Uh, it definitely has some themes in there that aren't appropriate for kids, so it should be a black label book. But it's like, I, I don't know how to describe it other than maybe I haven't I haven't really like seen a whole lot of those like first Batman movies like not not the not the Adam West ones but the the Michael Keaton one the Michael Keaton one yeah but it, it seems like those movies kind of like they have like a darkness to them but there's still like some kind of wackiness and camp that you know oh. involved in there because of Batman so uh it, it's it's I'm gonna I'm gonna take you back here because as as the old man. Um, so like Batman 89 was such a huge thing. Like uh-huh. I remember I was four at the time, way too young for the movie, but I loved Batman because I, I grew up on 66 Batman. Yeah. Um, and so like, to me, Batman was Batman. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember, I remember seeing the movie, I think it was like four or five. Um, Cause I've also dressed up like for Halloween as this Batman a couple times. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was always the black costume my mom would make for me. Yeah. Um, and she, so like Batman 89 was such like a cultural thing. Like I remember the, the original poster was just the gold logo. Like if you look at Batman 89 poster, it's like usually like the, one of the first ones that shows up. Uh-huh. And it's just a black poster with Batman's logo, like with the, you know, little shine on it. And that was such a, like a big thing. Cause like the only reference you had for Batman in pop culture at that time was 66 Batman. Mm-hmm. And so everyone, and so I remember like, you know, thinking it was really cool and I had a lot of the toys and then growing up, you're like, you hear like everyone's like, oh, like this is the dark Batman, 66 Batman sucks. And I'm like, I always liked 66 Batman. Like, I don't know why everyone thinks it sucks. Like it's different, yeah, but it doesn't suck. Um, yeah. And then as I got older and as I started like rewatching 89 Batman, it's just as goofy and wacky as, as 66 Batman is. Uh-huh. The difference is they took 66 Batman and then gave it a Tim Burton filter. That's the only difference. Other than that, it's just as wacky. Yeah. No, and this story definitely isn't one that like takes itself super seriously. Uh, But it's like, I'm trying to think of like the perfect way to describe it. Cause this book, it's like, it doesn't take itself super seriously, but like, you know, it's still Batman nonetheless in this world is like dark and people are scared of him. Yeah, you know they're scared of him, but like at the same time, this story is—it's just nuts. But uh, I think that I think that's kind of what informs like the 
things that I like. Like I love Batman 66 mm-hmm. and that kind of informed how I always like really funny campy things mm-hmm. because it's just, that's just what I've always kind of gravitated towards. Yeah. I grew up in uh, the age of edge apparently. So I just, I told, I tell you all the time. <laughs> the 2000s. It's uh, the 2000s, man. So everything bad. had to be grounded. I, I love the 2000s. Crawling in your skin, wake you up inside. <laughs> no one knows. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, I think that's going to be it. So now it's eight o'clock for me. Yeah. Yeah. I got to get going too. It's nine. So. All right. Uh, so then the plan is we're all back next week. And then the week after that, I'm off. Yeah. That's Keith and I. All right. Cool. All righty, dude. Take care. Uh, I guess, uh, we should probably mention to Keith what episode, what we're doing. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, we will. All right. All right. Take care. Yeah. Bye. Bye.